Welcome back, listeners, to Talking PFAS News. I'm a journalist and your host, Kayleen Bell. My special guest in today's Talking PFAS News is Garrett Allison, an environment reporter at MLive and Grand Rapids Press in Michigan. Garrett Allison's reporting on PFAS in Michigan and the Great Lakes area is very extensive. There are hundreds of PFAS articles that he's written. He's broken many PFAS news stories. In today's Talking PFAS News, I discuss in detail two of his very recent news articles, both published in the last week. One of these is about PFAS in rain. And what they found is that there's pretty substantial levels of PFAS coming down in the rainwater over the Great Lakes area. They measured PFAS in the rainwater over a several-week period in, in Chicago last August. And they found like 50 to 800 parts per trillion PFAS in rain. And we'll also be discussing some brand new information on Tuesday, June 8th. Two pieces of really significant legislation were introduced in Congress in Washington, D.C. One of these is called the Filthy 50 Act, and the second is the Clean Water for Military Families Act. And Garrett says what they would do is allocate $10 billion for cleanup and remedial investigations at U.S. Department of Defense sites for PFAS. The 50 worst of these sites will be prioritized and cleanup would have to take place within five years. And Garrett's going to unpack those a little bit in today's episode of Talking PFAS News. And one of the other recent articles that Garrett has written in May was about 3M's lawsuit against the state of Michigan. 3M wants to strike down the state of Michigan's drinking water rules. It's asking a judge to invalidate them and say that they're not enforceable and prevent the state of Michigan from requiring utilities and water providers to test and comply with the new rules. 3M's argument is that the state of Michigan rushed the process of creating these drinking water standards. We didn't get time to discuss that in today's episode of Talking PFAS News, but Garrett will talk more about the 3M lawsuit against the state of Michigan in detail in the feature episode, which will publish this Thursday, the 17th of June. You've just written an article that was published on the 8th of June about PFAS in rain. Can you please tell our listeners a little bit about that article? Sure. So this morning we published a story that essentially getting some new research out there from a binational monitoring program in the Great Lakes region. And what they do is they measure pollutants in ambient air and precipitation. And they found some pretty high concentrations of PFAS in about five sites around the Great Lakes region. And one of the notable finds was that Cleveland, Ohio, which is on uh, Lake Erie, There was a sample where they found a 1,000 parts per trillion of 38 compounds in rainwater collected in Cleveland, and that was over a two-week period in April of this year. The sites are located in Cleveland, Chicago, Sturgeon Point, New York, Sleeping Bear Dunes in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, and Eagle Harbor in the Upper Peninsula. The team measured 38 different PFAS compounds in ambient air and rainwater, The total concentration in most samples ranged from 100 to about 400 parts per trillion across the sites, with high accounts at urban areas compared to rural or remote sites. 
It's not the first time researchers have found PFAS in rainwater samples, but it's a, it's a, it's a surprisingly high number, and it's kind of adding to this body of research showing that PFAS are, uh, are definitely a contaminant that gets moved around through air deposition. It's important to point out that the preliminary data that Garrett is talking with me about today about the PFAS in rain is unpublished and undergoing quality reviews. But researchers say early analysis shows PFAS chemicals to be major contaminants in regional rain and snow. The network has other monitoring stations in Illinois, Michigan and New York and the chemicals were detected there also. What they do is they measure 38 compounds, right? So their their lab analysis, uh, you know, can detect that many. And who are we talking about when we say they measure? Who are we talking about there? So this is the Great Lakes Integrated Atmospheric Deposition Network, and it's been around since the early 90s. It's a program that's jointly funded by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and, and its counterparts in, in Canada. And, you know, what it does is it measures persistent pollutants in the regional uh, ambient air, such as PCBs, DDT, flame retardants, more legacy pollutants. But they've obviously started to pay close attention to PFAS. And last summer, in August 2020, they began analyzing PFAS in the rainwater samples around the region. So Chicago, Illinois, sort of the metropolis of the Midwest, Cleveland, Ohio. Those are two urban sites where they're taking samples. And then they have other more rural or remote sites. Eagle Harbor, it's a very remote area in the northern part of the Upper Peninsula along Lake Superior. And then Sturgeon Point, New York, which is at the eastern end of uh, Lake Erie. So those are the places where they've been measuring these rainwater samples. Generally, they're finding about 100 to 400 parts per trillion cumulative concentration in their samples. But the Cleveland one, uh, you know, really jumped out. Absolutely. I want to talk about two things there. You talked about this organization. Does it get funding from the United States EPA or EPA will take the results seriously? No, no, it's a jointly funded program. It was set up under the uh, Great Lakes Water Quality Agreement between the United States and Canada. So it's it's a very well-established program. It's run out of Indiana University by a researcher named Marta Veneer. It's a very credible institution. One would assume that the results of this study should drive more regulation and more research into this area. Would would you agree? Well, certainly more research. Regulation, yes, that follows. But in the United States right now, we're still having trouble passing some of the most basic regulations around PFAS at the national level, such as the drinking water standards. So Eventually, it probably will continue to help make the case for regulations. But I think right now it's a really notable research point. Absolutely. And also, we should mention for listeners there that the drinking water guideline is 70 parts per trillion. Isn't that correct? Right, for PFOS and PFOA. And right now, that's really the only advisory level, but it sort of functions as a de facto kind of safety threshold. But yet in Michigan, it's lower than that, isn't it, Garrett? We'll talk about that in our feature episode. Absolutely, yep. In 2020, Michigan set much lower standards for seven different PFOS compounds. And for some of the more well-known ones like PFOS and PFOA, we're talking stuff in the single digits or or teen parts per trillion. I think two of them are like six and eight 
parts per trillion and 16 parts per trillion. The state standards are obviously much, much lower. In your article, where did the researchers think that the PFAS in the rain was coming from? That's a good question, right? And I think there isn't a good answer for it. The speculation is that you know, because there are higher concentrations being found at urban sites where there's more population, that population counts is what's sort of driving the higher rainwater protection. So, you know, in some ways it's localized, right? And so the source where the PFAS would be brought up into the clouds through evaporation would be around Chicago, and then it falls over Chicago, right? But that's not an absolute either, because Sleeping Bear Dunes, for example, is on the, the northwest corner of Michigan's Lower Peninsula. It, you know, there's people who live around there. In fact, I grew up in that area. Did you say Sleeping Bear Dunes, just to be clear there? Yes, Sleeping Bear Dunes. What is that? Is it a town? No, it's a, it's a national park. It's one of the most beautiful places in the entire Great Lakes region, actually. Just enormous sugar sand, freshwater dunes that uh, draw lots and lots of visitors. It's it's an enormous tourist attraction. What did they find around there when it comes to PFAS in the rain? Did you talk about that? The research is preliminary, right? And so what we're dealing with right now is sort of a year's worth of sampling and analysis. And so it hasn't undergone the peer review, that rigorous process that these studies have to go through. And so the researchers there were you know, a little reluctant to share, you know, a deep level of data, but what they're finding at Sleeping Bear Dunes, you're still looking at something in the range of 100 to two to 300 parts per trillion PFAS in the rainwater. And it's like, well, where does that come from? Because there are no smokestacks around Sleeping Bear Dunes. It's a sparsely populated national park. To the west of that is Lake Michigan until you get to the state of Wisconsin. And Lake Michigan, for your you know listeners in Australia, is not a tiny lake. <laughs> you can't see the other side uh, if you're standing on the shore. It's a freshwater inland sea, basically. So they've obviously given you enough detail that you could write the article, and they're obviously confident with those results. When do you think the article will be published? You know, in that peer-reviewed final form. It's hard to say. I think that it sounded like they were shooting for sometime this year. Obviously, that's the timeline. That's up to them. But it's being previewed. This research is sort of being previewed at scientific conferences, right? So I first heard about it while I was attending an International Great Lakes Research Conference in May. So there was a quick, just a real short 15-minute session on atmospheric deposition of PFAS around the Great Lakes. And uh, one of the researchers gave the presentation, and I, I reached out to them, and I said, hey, I think that's really interesting and newsworthy, and I'd like to do a story on it. And so that's how that developed. You said you were writing an article tonight when I rang you. Garrett, can you give us a bit of an idea what that one's going to be about? Sure. So just today, Tuesday, June 8th, there were two pieces of really significant legislation introduced in Congress in Washington, D.C. So the Filthy 50 Act and the Clean Water for Military Families Act were introduced in the U.S. Senate by the Democrat leadership. And what they would do is allocate $10 billion for cleanup and remedial investigations at U.S. Department of Defense sites around the country. The 50 worst of those sites would be prioritized. So cleanup would have to take place within five years, right? So all construction would have to take place within five years. That's the filthy 50 sites. In Garrett's article, he mentions many, many bases that are on the filthy 50 list. 
including bases in Louisiana, California, Florida, South Carolina, Virginia, New York, Texas, Oklahoma, Mississippi, South Dakota, North Dakota, Massachusetts, Alaska, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, Delaware, Georgia, New Jersey, Maryland, Colorado, Washington, Wyoming, Nevada, New Hampshire, Missouri, Michigan and West Virginia, Iowa, New York. And then the other piece of legislation allocates $10 billion nationwide for this work, right? And so activists are very happy with this uh, legislation. They see it as holding the Department of Defense, the U.S. military accountable, as well as providing funding, you know, for the mandates in the new legislation. Another very important aspect is that the bills would require the military to adhere to state laws if they're more stringent, in which case the states that have them have the more stringent laws. And the military has really fought that tooth and nail at the state level. And so it's a pretty significant legislative package. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes. There has been some bipartisan, some significant bipartisan interest in PFAS legislation, more so in the last few years, as lawmakers realize this is a problem in their districts, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. But at the same time, there's a great deal of deference in Washington, particularly among the Republican Party, to the Department of Defense, which you know, is very good at making the case that 70 parts per trillion is even too low. It should be a much higher standard and the arguments like that. In Michigan, New York and elsewhere, the military has based its actions on an unenforceable health advisory level of 70 parts per trillion for two PFAS compounds, PFOS and PFOA, in drinking water that was set by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in 2016. The threshold is widely criticised as offering inadequate exposure protection to vulnerable populations such as children and pregnant women and states such as Michigan, New York, New Jersey, New Hampshire and others have developed more stringent standards. This is a pretty significant development and it'll be interesting to see where it goes. So this is just being introduced or has it been passed? I think I missed that. Nope just introduced. The bill was just introduced today. So what's the process in the US for something like that to get through, just briefly for the listeners? So it has to be passed by both houses and then signed by the president in the law. President Biden, as we already said, he has PFAS as the number two issue. Isn't that right, Garrett? Well, it's a big piece of his environmental justice agenda. It does appear to be a priority for the EPA under Biden in a way that it really wasn't under Trump. And when it comes to the Department of Defense, that's been where PFAS legislation has actually been able to get through. If, if it's targeted at industry, there's a much, much higher chance of opposition from uh, Republicans. But when it comes to the Department of Defense, they can roll it into these annual defense authorization bills that are must-pass pieces of legislation. And so those have been vehicles for passing the primary vehicles, really, in Congress for getting PFAS regulations passed over the last few years. And I think just the speculation is that'll be what happens with these. Garrett, that funding that you talked about, is it all for PFAS to investigate and remediate PFAS? It's no other contaminants? $10 billion all for PFAS. Well, that's very good news, isn't it? It is. 
I have a feeling that that's still a drop in the bucket in terms of, you know, the, the money that would be needed to fully remediate all of these bases. Even the base in Michigan that I tend to write the most about, which is a Wordsmith Air Force Base, the cost estimates for total cleanup range from $250 million to $1 billion just at that one base, right? And so $10 billion is a lot of money, but I guess... <laughs> you know, whether or not that's enough, is, you know, it probably isn't. As part of that legislation, if it gets through, you said the military would need to obey state laws when it comes to PFAS because some states have lower levels for cleanup. And it sets deadlines. And those deadlines have been a real issue with the military, which has successfully been able to just really draw out the remedial process uh, at a lot of places where they just really go slowly. And, you know, we're talking in some places in Michigan, it's been more than 10 years since they first discovered this stuff. And, you know, the significant remediation is still yet to take place. They're still investigating. And so the investigation thing, you know, you can investigate something to death and, and that's really what the activist community has been arguing, which is like there needs to be deadlines for the work to begin. The military shouldn't just get to investigate this in perpetuity. Okay. And one more quick question on the rain story. Did the researchers talk about, <laughs> I, I don't know how you would begin to clean up PFAS in rain. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if you could. I, I wonder if they offered any solutions at all. Well, no, the discussion I had with them was, you know, this is a source problem. If we phase out PFAS uses and we start to restrict their use in all kinds of products and we clean up the sources we know, that's the way to deal with evaporation and PFAS getting into the atmosphere. Yeah, I think the thing is for the listeners to understand that PFOS and PFOA, the usage of those chemicals has largely been phased out, but not in every country. So therefore, in the rain, if they found 38 different PFAS chemicals, compounds, they must be a lot of the replacement PFAS that have been used. Oh, yeah. You know, there were a lot of the fluorotelomer, carboxylic acids, the 6282102 FTCAs, the stuff that's used in chrome plating and grease proofing on food contact paper, right? It's the short chain replacement. That's what they're finding the most of. Very interesting work. Thank you again for your time. It was great to talk to you, Garrett, for the Talking PFAS podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Talking PFAS News. The next episode of Talking PFAS will be a feature episode and because of Garrett's extensive PFAS reporting experience, he's my special guest in the Talking PFAS feature which will publish and be available to listen to on Thursday the 17th of June where we will discuss in detail 3M's lawsuit against the state of Michigan. We'll discuss PFAS contamination in the Wolverine Worldwide Contamination in Rockford, PFAS in Wurtsmith Air Force Base, Oscoda, and PFAS in Parchment, where there was a recent settlement for $11.9 million. And listeners, you might remember we discussed that 
in episode 24 with Boston attorney John Gardella so you can catch up on that one as well. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to share and to follow the Talking PFAS podcast. And you can also follow me on Twitter. I tweet nationally and globally about PFAS issues. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget, all information in today's episode is copyright. Please share, but contact me for reuse permissions at talkingpfas at gmail.com. See you next time.